This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 127. Strangers and Aliens, summer movie series. Godzilla. Hello and welcome to episode 127 of Strangers and Aliens. This is part of our summer movie series where we are talking about movies in the summer. And today we are here to talk about Godzilla. Uh, I have to say um, I'm Ben Avery and I am the only one of your normal crew that is here. Uh, Dr. Jace, no interest in Godzilla at all. And Steve, interested in Godzilla, but he hasn't been able to see it yet. So um, when we do our roundup, we'll see if we can get him to talk about it at the end of the summer. But um, right now, I'm actually here with Nathan Marchand. And, <laughs> and he is a, a writer. He's a member of Fans for Christ, which is where I first came in contact with him. Um, he also mm -hmm. is a fellow. I don't know if you're a Hoosier, but you are living in Indiana. Yes, I so. am a born and raised Hoosier boy, okay. actually. So he's a fellow Hoosier, and actually this is a Strangers and Aliens first. Not having a guest, because for the summer movie series, there's a lot of movies that I see that the other guys don't want to see or don't get a chance to. And so we bring in guests all the time during the summer. But this is the first time I am actually talking to someone after having seen the movie with that person. Yes. So, <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Um, we'll get to that story in a minute here. Well, let's start actually. Nathan, go ahead and um, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Um, like I said, you, you are a writer, but um, mm -hmm. kind of uh, introduce yourself. Maybe talk a little bit about your writing. We'll talk more about that at the end and tell people okay. where they can find you. But then also just uh, just kind of who you are and, and um, why 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 are you here to talk about Godzilla? Do you like this thing or what? So. <laughs> well, konnichiwa, uh, strangers and aliens listeners. And for the record, I am actually a strange alien. <laughs> uh, my, my name you, my name is Nathan Marchie. You can call me Nate. I've been uh, a writer for a long time. I discovered my talent for writing when I was probably in middle school. And I have always gravitated towards speculative fiction, comic books, fantasy, that sort of thing. I started when I was uh, three years old. I would watch reruns of Star Trek with my dad. And then when I discovered my writing talent, I enjoyed writing things you know, like science fiction and fantasy. I spent a lot of time in high school writing fan fiction, including, I might add, Godzilla fan fiction. Interesting. <laughs> most, yeah, most of it was, most of it admittedly was crap, but... <laughs> And uh, I went to Taylor University, Fort Wayne, and got a, my bachelor's in professional writing. I always wanted to become a novelist, and I have managed to get one novel published. It's a military science fiction story. It's called Pandora's Box. I've also dabbled in self-publishing, and I do a lot of freelance work. I write movie reviews or uh, feature articles. I used to be a journalist, and... Yeah, and it's actually you know, those those I, movie reviews that that kind of caused me to to, to invite you was because um, you were posting some of those on your personal Facebook and also on Fans for Christ and some of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we were actually talking back when uh, when uh, RoboCop came out. We were talking about possibly yeah, getting you, you on. Yeah, uh, you invited me to 
Yeah, you invited me to uh, talk about RoboCop with you and Steve because Dr. Jace couldn't make it. And unfortunately, you didn't let me know soon enough in the, the night that <laughs> you and uh, Steve recorded. I was I had to work at my part-time day job. So otherwise, I would have jumped at the opportunity. I've been on podcasts before. I love podcasts. And uh, I, I don't have my own podcast, but I do a unfortunately uh infrequent youtube show i do i make videos where i talk about di- parts different parts of the writing craft or i do movie reviews and i did a book review for a friend of mine a few months ago he just had a new book published and i surprised him by doing a, a book review and unfortunately i haven't gotten around to making a new episode in a while but i think i'm gonna get back into that by doing a video review of this movie so this Including this podcast, I'll end up reviewing this movie three times because <laughs> I wrote I wrote a review for Giga Geek Magazine, which is one of the publications I write for. So yeah, I'm gonna review this three times. <laughs> All right, well let's let's talk about this movie then. Um, All right. This weekend I was at Appleseed Comic Con, and that's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's a two yes. day show this year. It's been one day in the past, but it's two days this year. And, um, you know, I'm there promoting my stuff. You know, I've got Job and I've got the new Mumator and the Conquerors of the Cosmos and that kind of I thing. I bought Mumator. <laughs> but one of the things that I was excited about was that Nathan was going to be there. And so he, you actually, I think, mentioned, hey, you want to go see Godzilla? Yep. And I totally intended to see Godzilla Thursday night, but weird scheduling happened. And so I was I was expecting that to be my second viewing, but it ended up being my first. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to the theater that I actually went and saw um, The Hobbit twice in Fort Wayne. It's a two hour drive, but I, I went there twice to, with my friend William, well, and uh, for for The Hobbit. But so we ended up going to the same theater, IMAX mm-hmm. 3D. Oh yes! And um, so <laughs> there we are. Of course, um, the uh, the experience was not the greatest of viewing experiences uh and fortunately i think the movie was able to shine through the problems because of uh we got there what time it, the, the showing was 7 30 and showed it it started at 7 30 we got there about seven o'clock yeah my brother and i uh met you at chick-fil-a yeah which was in the the shop same shopping uh shopping mall and we had dinner together and then we got over there about seven and there looked like a huge crowd, but they the, the, the line the went line, quickly. Yeah, the line went fast, and then we got our tickets and got in there. We had about I don't know twenty fifteen twenty minutes to spare, and <laughs> but my was, gosh, it was packed. <laughs> it was so full. Yeah, and I I know you like sitting in the middle. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were in the third row, third row IMAX three D. Um, I mean, you're so close to the screen that the screen goes out of your peripheral vision. Oh yeah, it was wild. Not, not I, I when I went and saw Karate Kid Part Two, both times that summer I sat in the front row, and I hated it. But I was with people, you know, and they're like, "Let's sit in the front, let's sit in the front." Yeah, and it's just like, oh no. So I mean, we're talking. What was that? Eighty seven, I think something, something like, like that. that. I, I think the first one was in nineteen eighty. <laughs> I don't know around there, but I'm just thinking, you know, I, I was just a kid then just junior high. Yeah. And I'm like, front row stinks. This yeah, is not where you're, yeah. you wanted to be. Yeah. I, I saw the first Spider-Man <clears throat> movie with Tobey Maguire. Uh, I had my friends and I got there pretty much right when the movie started. So we had to sit in the front row and we had to look up the whole time. 
but it wasn't. It was actually our uh, the viewing experience for Godzilla was better because I remember when we were sitting there, you know, we were sitting there watching the movie. I had my head, you know, cocked up for about two hours, and then when when the credits started rolling, I went back down and I, my neck cracked. <laughs> <laughs> like, ow, that hurts. But it was, uh, you know, it was oddly appropriate though. You yes. know, we're, we're watching a Godzilla movie. It is towering, literally towering yes. over us. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and. As far as the I mean, 3D I, went, you know, I could probably have taken it or leaved it or yeah, left it but rather. The, but the fact that it was in IMAX, and even the fact that we had to sit in the front row, we didn't have to. We didn't have to cock our heads too much up because the seating helped with that. And I actually thought it was strangely appropriate because it's a Godzilla movie, so yep. we're look, we're kind of looking up a little bit. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's a giant monster movie. You know, I think it's appropriate to look up a little bit. Now, this is only the second Godzilla movie I've seen in theaters. I saw uh, Godzilla 2000 uh, in theaters it when is, that came out. If you, if well, you count... Oh, 98. Well, yeah, if you yeah, count 98. I was say, if you count, third. If you count <laughs> the Dean Devlin movie, which is really just Godzilla in name only, this is my third one because I also saw Godzilla 2000 in a movie yeah, theater. I remember being very excited because I was at film a film writing program and me and a couple of other guys, we, we went and saw it. And that's the one that ends with the line, there's a little bit of Godzilla in all of us. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that that became a catchphrase be, between me and my friends. Um, just we we said it. We say it probably more often than it deserves. But um, <laughs> well, and the interesting thing is, I've actually found out that line. This is a random bit of trivia. That line actually makes a bit more sense in the original Japanese dialogue because in the dubbing there were. I mean, they tried very hard to be faithful to the original dialogue when they dubbed it. But there were a few things that got lost, and one of them was that uh, the spoiler warning for no one for anyone who hasn't seen Godzilla 2000. But uh, the cells that they were talking about that created Orga, the big monster in that one, they uh, in the Japanese version they actually established that there are similar cells in all life on Earth. So the line "There's a little bit of Godzilla in all of us" actually it can't be taken literally. I prefer the metaphorical interpretation of there's well, a little bit of Godzilla be, in all of us. And, well, and I would say that it, it's as true now as it was then in, in the year 2000. When, yes. Yeah. When we Although first. It, it can be metaphorical as well. I mean, I do like that. So, so uh, yeah. Okay. So speaking of old school Godzilla, let's take just a quick minute and um, let's talk a little bit about how kind of the, the franchise itself. It started out in the 50s and it was a serious Movie. The first Godzilla movie was shot oh, documentary yes. style, black and white, mm-hmm. um, but it was a, quite a serious thing. And you know, kind of in response to the the uh, nuclear bombs dropped on on Japan yeah. during World uh, War Two. Uh, the genesis of the the original Godzilla is actually quite fascinating. A lot of very interesting stories are attached to it. And uh, it was original. They wanted to make Toho, the studio that made it, wanted to make a very serious science fiction film that dealt with the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki because to this day even excuse me Japan remains the only country to have nuclear weapons used on it I mean there were there have been tests here on US soil and such excuse me again but they're the only ones who have had the bombs dropped on them so they have a very unique experience and someone was also kicking around the idea, if I remember correctly, uh, the idea of doing 
a giant monster story. And then one of the producers there, I think his name was Tamoyuki Tanaka, decided to combine the ideas. And uh, so that's why it's it's a very somber, very it's very serious and often grim movie. A lot of people still think of Godzilla movies as being very cheesy because that's how good chunk of the sequels were. But when you watch that first movie, it's it's mind blowing. It's not what you expect. Yeah, and now they they originally were kind of looking at King Kong, which was a favorite mm-hmm. movie when when the Americans would bring brought in kind of imported or exported however you want yeah. to say it their their movies king kong was a hit and so they wanted to make a monster movie that was going to be stop motion the reason we have the man in suit is because stop motion is time consuming and expensive yeah and they so it. yeah so they put a they ended up putting a man in the suit and so we kind of that's a little bit where the cheesiness does you know th- that's the first thing people think of is just a guy in a suit knocking down cardboard buildings and um, there is a lot more artistry to it, especially oh, in that yeah, first there movie. Is, there is a lot of artistry and and charm to it, and but and, I'm, and also a lot of something that I don't think people give enough credit to it is it is hard being in those costumes. <laughs> it is not easy at all. I think because uh, the costumes they're heavy, they sweat real easy, they can get dehydrated. There are there have been I've read a lot of stories about the actors, mostly stuntmen, who wear these things. And they have talked about how you know they can only wear them for about five minutes at a time, and or they'll pass out. It definitely and, doesn't pass OSHA standards. Yeah, for I mean, you know, like hard. workplace safety. I, yeah, <laughs> it's hard. I, a few of them have actually said that they've had to really tap into their martial arts training so they can, you know, power their way through it, do the performances. Or sometimes the <clears throat> the actors would they would they would try to find ways around this so that they wouldn't have to wear full suits. You know, like, there were instances where if they just needed low shots, like, you know, Godzilla's foot, you know, crushing cars or something, you know, close-up of that, they'll just have the actor wear half the costume. It's, like, from the waist down. Because that's all they're going to shoot. It looks funny. I've seen photos of people in just half the suit. And it's just, like, there's Godzilla's leg and and tail. And there's a dude standing there with suspenders, you know, holding the legs and tail on. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is, is that I mean, they would use they, the miniatures are incredibly well done. They're very, oh, and the the ones very that they threw the most money at, yeah, they're incredibly detailed. They would put you know, so a lot of them they put model furniture in it, so it looks very realistic. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that these stuntmen in these suits give genuine performances. They bring characterizations to the creatures to give them personality in order to distinguish them you know some of them are a bit more animated than others as the franchise went on and got a bit cheesier you know the character the monsters would start acting more human and all that you know and i don't know if it's comes from and i wouldn't say that they were intending to be cheesy they were kind of the the audience kept getting younger and younger uh because you know it started out super serious almost traumatizing i would say with that first movie and then kind of slowly i mean by the third movie the third movie was king kong versus godzilla yes (laughs) which is it is absolute cheese but you know they're playing to the audience and what the audience is looking for and the audience was getting younger and younger and so you kind of see this kind of um i don't know if if i would call it a a digression into to youth youth movies but 
I wouldn't say it's that. Close. It's close. Like it's more like they they the the mo- the tone of the movies changed with the audience. You know, and the times. This is a you know this is a franchise like James Bond, where it changes with the years as it's coming out mm-hmm. and trying to catch up. You know, so you have um, oh I can't remember the one that introduced Jet Jaguar. Godzilla versus Megalon. Okay, that's the that's the one. I couldn't remember the title for that one, but that's I direct love, response. I, I love that one. That's I love di- that one. That's <laughs> one of those so bad it's good Godzilla movies. Well, it was even on uh, Mystery, Mystery Science, Science Theater, Theater yeah. 2000. Well, with, it, it's so great. It's in response about- to Ultraman, though. It's it's yes. you know Ultraman was on TV, and they're like, how do we make how do we compete with television? Yeah. You know, let's well let's give them what they want. You know. A giant robot superhero. Yeah, yeah, that's what they want. It's interesting that you bring up Ultraman because Ultraman does have some connections to Godzilla. Ultraman was created by Eiji Tsuburaya. I think that's how it's pronounced. Mm. He was the special effects director at Toho for most of the 50s and 60s. He unfortunately died in 1970. And he did most of the special effects work on all of... Toho's Godzilla movies up till his death, and he created Ultraman. And Ultraman fought the Godzilla suit in an episode. Yes, I actually I have the complete <laughs> original Ultraman on DVD, and that episode is incredibly amusing because they did just recycle the suit that was in the movies, and it looks just like Godzilla except they spray painted it green and put frill uh, frills on it, so it looks like a frilled lizard. Yeah, around his and neck. Then, yeah. But, yeah, and then what's really funny is when he <laughs> fights Ultraman, Ultraman rips the frill off. So he's Godzilla again. So it, looks, it looks just like Godzilla except a bit greener and he has a little patch of red where <laughs> around his neck where Ultraman ripped the frill off. It made me snicker. Okay, so let me ask you this. Before we get into the, the, the 2014 movie, um, yeah. tell me what are maybe – let's go with two Godzilla movies you would recommend to someone who may not be a fan of Godzilla. Uh, most definitely the original film. Okay, beyond and, that one. Let's go beyond well, that yeah. one. We already, well, yeah. Because we already... Okay. I will well, sing the praises of the original Godzilla well, well, all yeah. day long. Well, and it's... We didn't go into the, you know, the interesting bit about how that one got massively re-edited. You know, we had Raymond Burr injected into it, but that's a story for another day. For American probably. audiences, yeah. Uh, beyond it, that, I would say probably... Yeah, yeah. I would probably say beyond that... I, I want to give a record... There's so many ones I want to talk about uh, that I could recommend. I would definitely recommend Godzilla vs. Mothra, which is held in very high regard as being one of the best of the sequels, especially from the the first series of movies, because there's three series of movies. And Wait, wait, wait. So before, would, you, before you go on, though, this is before Avengers, okay? Yeah. You had Godzilla in his movie. You had Godzilla fight Angerus in the second one and fight King yeah. Kong in the third one teaming up or quote unquote, you know, but yeah. then you had Mothra had its own movie yes. and then they said, let's do a versus movie there. And so they were, yes. they were doing crossovers and individual movies before Marvel even yeah, it was. existed. That's, that's what astonishes me is when I stop and I think about it, I realized Toho created its own movie universe. Cause they made these solo monster movies and then they started doing crossovers and then you had Destroy All Monsters, which was like the Avengers of totally. Toho monster movies. And then you had you know? them, and then you had them totally do reboot and yep. retcon. I mean, they were they rebooted twice. <laughs> well, I would say even more than that. Um, the <laughs> the third series actually feels like uh, 
each one of those could just be a direct sequel yeah, that was, to the original still, movie. It, they but, still list that as a separate series, even though each entry is it, most a of reboot. them are I mean, their own thing. Yeah. Although most of them do look back as the first movie is the first movie. And yeah. so then you'll have the first movie and then you'll have, you know, one series and then the second series comes along and they ignore all the other ones. And it's just the first movie and the second series. And then the third season rolls around or third series, I should say, rolls around and they're going back. That first movie happened because it's a classic. You can't ignore that movie. Uh, yeah. OK, so I, I'm sorry I interrupted you, though. So you were saying uh, well, Mothra uh, versus Godzilla, Godzilla and Godzilla versus Mothra, the original one from 1964. Uh, there was there was one made in the 90s that got retitled when it was released here in the U.S. And also, your listeners should know that if they want to search for these, one of the things that might make it a little bit harder is that some of these movies have multiple titles. So when I say Godzilla versus Mothra, that's the title I remember it as. Uh, but I think the official English title is Mothra versus Godzilla. It is, or Godzilla versus the Thing. Yeah, that was uh, the original theatrical. The original, title. yeah. So, or in the U.S. Um, so the DVD I, would, I have though is Mothra versus Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's what it usually gets distributed as on DVD now. So I'd recommend that one, and because it's it's a genuinely good movie. It's a good thriller. You know, and it has Mothra in it. has It actually it has some memorable human characters and some interesting science fiction concepts thrown into it. Uh, and if you want to go to the complete opposite spectrum, Godzilla: Final Wars, because it is pure fun <sighs> insanity. <laughs> that one was made in two thousand four, and if especially if you're a fan of the franchise. It is nerdtastic because it references so many things. It's almost like a remake of Destroy All Monsters. And I'm going to recommend two really so bad it's good movies. Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, which is Godzilla. <laughs> it's it's basically a sp- – I don't know. It's There's this island full of some sort of bad guys who are going to – they're like a terrorist organization yeah, they're, that wants, like they're, 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 that wants to thing. take over the world, and they have a giant they have slaves, lobster. and they have a giant. It's not a lobster. Uh, what's it called it's a though? Crustacean. Yeah, it, it's 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 they they go out of the way. You know, it's it's not a lobster, but it's just cheese and horribleness. And then Godzilla yeah. versus Hedora, or Godzilla versus the versus smog, smog monster. monster. That one is just full out crazy insane. Yeah. It the, is just amazingly awesome. One of the most what-the-crap moments ever in a Godzilla movie is in that one where you discover uh, that Godzilla can use his atomic breath to fly like a jet engine. Well, beyond that, though, there's <laughs> – you know, they're, they're, they're trying to tap back into that. You know, we're, we're, we're making a statement, a science fiction statement. You know, oh, yeah. This, it's this definitely a metaphor for, uh, for environmental destruction and so – yeah, and so it that's has Japanese hippies. Oh man, does it? <laughs> Can't go wrong there. So, um let's let's move then to Godzilla 2014, mm-hmm. which is a very different movie from everything else we've been talking about. And, and honestly, I was surprised because it felt like a very different movie from to be honest, any of the Godzilla movies. Uh mm-hmm. it, it just it feels different. 
but not in a bad way. It still feels like a Godzilla movie. It still feels like mm-hmm. it fits with them, but it's very different. Um, the way we do this is the first half is going to be spoiler-free, and then we'll talk about it with spoilers after we play a spoiler warning. So um, so let's talk about this movie. Uh, it's basically Godzilla... Uh, boy, I don't even want to talk about the plot, because <laughs> to be honest, some of this is just better to just go along with it, but... Um, there is a family that has uh, been affected by Godzilla in the past or been affected by something in the past. And they, there's a little boy who he's grown up and has, he's been living under the shadow of his father's obsession with what happened to his mother. Mm-hmm. And now he is in, was he, was he Navy or Marines? I think or, he's in the army. Oh, was the army. The okay. Army. I'm not quite sure. I don't think, I don't remember. How about another branch that I, that I didn't even mention? Cause yeah, I, I I want to say it's the army though. Uh, so he he's um, just come home. He's reunited with his wife and his son, and then something has happened with his dad, and he has to go yeah. to Japan. Um, and then it's basically a it's it's the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. It's the Odyssey where you know Odysseus he was off to war, and for one book he you know he's fighting a war, the Trojan War, and then the next book, the Odyssey. He's trying to get home. I mean, that's very broad strokes. Very. Yeah. There's a lot more going on very than that for although, for the Iliad. There, although it does, there are some other parallels because uh, uh, Odysseus fights monsters on his on during his journey home. And this, uh, his name was Ford. Ford. More Ford or less Brody. does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is interesting because uh, Brody is the name of the main character from Jaws. <laughs> and I did see some similarities between Ford Brody's father, played by Brian Cranston, and Brody from Jaws, where no one's listening to him and his warnings and that kind of thing. Um, actually, there's there's a lot of parallels to Jaws in this movie, too. Hey, uh, and that's a great movie to, uh, to uh, be inspired by as far as I care, because Jaws is a classic. Yeah, there's some direct lifting of uh, visuals. Uh, one I think that you pointed out, I don't want to mention it because I want people to experience it, but... Uh, one that you pointed out that I didn't even think about, um, but then also, you know, you don't really see Godzilla until, you know, about halfway through. It almost feels mm-hmm. like, uh, which is you know similar to the, to Jaws or Alien or any sort of movie. Honestly, yeah, the like best monster movies in my experience, whether they're giant monsters or the smaller monsters, they the the best ones are the ones that. Don't show you the creature. They tease until you until the yeah. right moment. They tease you. They tease you, know? you and tease and you, origi- and then the original Godzilla is very similar, where you don't see him until about halfway through, and but but before that, you hear his roar. You hear the uh, the stomping noises from his feet. You see the destruction he causes. Exactly. But you don't see him. You don't actually see him until the right moment, and when he finally comes up on screen. You're just, just like, oh my gosh, that's there it. it. Is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So then it becomes his his journey home, mm-hmm. um, and so he, like I said, it's it's kind of like the Odyssey where you're following this guy. And I'll say this, you know, we're kind of we're going to talk what we liked and what we didn't like. Um, if you if you are into this guy's story and his wife's story, if you're willing to follow that, you should like this movie. Um, I've talked to some people who didn't like the movie, and one common thing for people who didn't like the movie is they didn't like the humans in the movie. And that's – 
I don't know if that's the only thing that causes people to not like it, but it's definitely a common theme behind yeah. people who don't like it. Yeah, I've heard an, another co- uh, complaint that I don't know if it would be considered spoilerish or not. It had to do with the style of the movie, but we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Well, I don't think – are you talking about how they'll cut away from some fight yeah. scenes? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's – I think that's a valid thing to, to warn people is that um, it's a tease. The whole movie kind of teases you until you get toward the end where there's full reveal and oh, there's yeah. big fights. Um, but the movie is shot from the ground up, metaphorically mm-hmm. speaking. It's about these humans and so you're seeing what humans see. And, yeah, and that is especially your very, point of view characters that you're following. Yeah. And that's very much in keeping with the with the original movie where the it was a creature feature, but it a big theme that runs through the original Gojira, that's what it was called, the Japanese title from nineteen fifty four is what got is how Godzilla's actions affect these characters. It's not just a straight thriller about a giant lizard that pops out of the ocean and terrorizes a city. If you want that, watch Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, you know? But Which is was, another inspiration for, yeah, for Godzilla. This, yes, it is. But this was much more than that, uh, the original film. And what I, when I first uh, – when I heard that Gareth Edwards, who was – I think a great director, you know, he directed um, an indie film called monsters. That was also a giant monster movie. And I and, liked and also monsters. didn't show the monsters until very late into the yeah. film. Yeah. And I liked monsters because it had an intriguing premise and two very interesting characters. And I liked watching their journey. And so I wasn't bored even when the creatures were not on the screen. I was interested in these characters. And one of the gripes that I've had with, as much as I love the Godzilla movies, one of the problems that a lot of them have, particularly a good chunk of the sequels, is the human characters tend to be underwritten. So you kind of sit there, they they kind of exist as tools to set up the monster battles. And they aren't real, they aren't full-fledged, quite full-fledged characters. Some of them they try, but they just don't quite get there. So the fact that this movie was promising that there were going to be strong human characters in it with interesting stories i wanted because i you know i i i've i've uh as i've gotten older and i've learned to write better that's the sort of thing i expect now you know i wrote a giant monster story myself and i made it incredibly character driven and so i was happy to see someone doing that in this film one other thing, though, is, you know, I was expecting a purely naturalistic Godzilla. And this Godzilla, he's not just a beast. There is personality. Uh, it's beasty personality. But, yeah. you know, it's it, – and so it wasn't what I was expecting. And I'll be honest. Um, I was expecting something more along the lines of the first Godzilla movie. And there's some of that there. You do see destruction. You see aftermath. Um, you see casualties, which is something that a lot of times Godzilla sequels did not show. Kind of like how yeah. you know the Hulk is able to go and tear apart an entire city, and not one person is going to be hurt. You know yeah. th- that's happening in these some of these Godzilla movies that are more for children. Um, yeah. And you know because you're not dealing with the realism 
of it. You're dealing with the fantasy. And this is very much a movie that deals with the realism, but I was uh, because of the realism, I was expecting the creature to be more of a naturalistic creature. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, the original Godzilla, but also, um, you know, the Roland Embrick Godzilla, what they're trying to do. And a lot of the third series, I can never remember, is it the Showa series? No, or Showa, the, no, the Millennium is, Series. The Millennium yeah, Series Millennium is the third series. series. It's Showa Series is the 50s through the 70s. Then that's like the the Heisei, 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 I'm not sure how to say it. They use, they name them after the uh, the emperors of Japan at the time. And then, but when then the, the third series was started with 2000, it's just called the Millennium Series. Yeah, and so the Millennium Series, a lot of times the monster was, Godzilla was either evil Mm-hmm. You know, and just out to consume and destroy or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or just a beast, you know, yeah. just a force of nature. And I was expecting yeah. this movie to be force of nature movie. Yeah, now, that's what I was expecting as well. Now, that original Godzilla was meant to be, you know, meant to reference, you know, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Yes. But this movie, boy, you know, it's referencing Katrina and it's refer- referencing, um, I can't remember the, the name of the nuclear plant. In Japan. Yeah, I, um, I know what you're talking about, but the name escapes wow, me. Why right can't now. I? But it happened, you know, just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's definitely referencing uh, those ideas and referencing those, um, you know, imagery that you're, you're Which seeing. Which is in keeping with the original because the the big reference that it, the original movie was making was to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but there was also a more immediate inspiration, which was... The Kobayashi? A, yeah, the Kobayashi, uh, I think. No, or is that... The boat. No, it's the Lucky Dragon number 7 or something like that. Okay. It was a fishing boat that got irradiated and most of the crew died. And that happened, I think, like 1952, 53 in Japan. It was right and, before they started making the movie. And they yeah. they referenced that by doing something very similar in just the very opening scene. Mm-hmm. Of the first movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this movie definitely falls into that. We're going to make a metaphorical sci-fi movie uh, that's referencing real world events with a giant monster. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I like about it. You know, I like the franchise because it can go into weird places. Um, I like the franchise because it changes with the times, kind of like, you mm-hmm. know, like I was saying with James Bond or even Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, Godzilla, Batman, James Bond, those are all franchises that you can do. A Saturday morning cartoon. Well, maybe not so much. Well, no, they did. James Bond Jr. with James Bond. Um, a Saturday. James Bond's kid. But a Saturday morning cartoon and a, you know, but also real, very realistic or naturalistic type of thing, but also campy and cheesy and, you know, just kind of rolling with the times and, you know, kind of in all of those franchises following the following pop culture. Not necessarily leading it, except for with their first movie. Godzilla was leading pop culture with that first movie. James Bond, the first James Bond movie, leading pop culture. Batman, definitely leading pop culture as far as superheroes go. And I would say probably the only of those three franchises, Batman is probably the only one that actually is kind of still, you know, leading and saying, okay, follow me with this, you know, with with, uh, just, okay, Batman 89, follow me. Every movie after this is going to follow me. I'm going to follow myself. You know, but mm-hmm. um, and then when Nolan came around, it was follow me or don't and, and make Avengers. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah and so that's one of the things I really appreciate about the, the franchise. Yeah. But we're talking. 
Oh, go ahead. It's one of the fascinating things about Godzilla just as a character because there aren't too many – and you know, it's interesting. I call him a character and not just simply a creature because I do think he's a full-fledged character. And what's interesting about him is that he's been many things over the years. He was, you know, he was the, the he was the atomic allegory. He was a force of nature. He was even a superhero in the seventies, uh, especially the, the friend of children. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, Gamera, that was Gamera. Yeah, yeah, but Godzilla was doing it too. Yeah, you know, it's just not necessarily interacting with kids on screen. But he was a superhero, and in one movie, as strange as it sounds, in one movie he was a divine avenger. Mm-hmm. So. And what's interesting about this this version is I feel like it took elements of all those personas, we'll say, and kind of distilled it down into something else entirely. You know, he's Godzilla has a nuclear origin, but he's not quite the atomic allegory. He's the alpha predator, but he's not quite a force of nature because most of the destruction he causes is by accident. And or necessity, not, yeah. Yeah, and he's not quite a superhero, but he's he's acting as a, nature's agent to restore balance. You know, it, it's a very interesting, you know, it's, it's take a, on the character. Yeah. So let's let's quickly let's let's talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. What what were some of the things you liked about this movie um, oh, that just kind of stick out to you? Uh, there are things I want to talk about, but I don't know if they qualify as spoilers or then not. Then err on know. the side of caution. Uh, yeah, I will err on the side of caution. Uh, one thing I will say that I really liked, which was one of the big mistakes that the 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 Roland Emmerich slash Dean Devlin movie made, was they didn't radically redesign Godzilla. He in this movie. He does. He still bears a very strong resemblance to the old Japanese movies. There's a lot of you know, visual things that you can recognize as being distinctly Godzilla. But he is CGI, so because he's CGI and they can make him look a bit more realistically, he does. While he has the same, he has a very similar design to the the man in rubber suit things. They actually try to make him actually you know, walk and move like an actual creature, like a real dinosaur. Well, so it has a bit of a dinosaur gait to him. He doesn't walk flat-footed necessarily. He looks like there could be a man in there. Yeah. But it's it's definitely CG. And then you also have, you know, his body fat is moving, for example, in a way that wouldn't be possible with a suit. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it, it's, was... it looks real. Yeah, there were points where I was watching this. I'm like, you know what? I, I love those old rubber suits, but Godzilla's never looked this alive. Like, you can see his muscles move. Mm-hmm. You can you see spit fly out of his mouth. Uh, he you even see even little details like you see his nostrils flare when he sees well when he's confronted by enemies. You know, yeah, it's just, it's little things like that that it just they couldn't quite do that with those rubber suits. Yeah, and for this, if they were going to do it with a man in a suit, they'd have to end up redoing it with CGI anyway yeah. to, to get that realism. Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. Now, I, I've heard – I didn't see in the credits, and I probably should look before I say this, because it sounded like – I heard, I thought I heard someone say that Andy Serkis was doing the um, the motion capture. If that is true, that is amazing because he also did the motion capture for King Kong. Here the, it is, yep. The Peter Jackson King Kong remake. Yeah, he he was. Wow. 
Andy Serkis. He's got bragging rights for life now. He's been both King Kong and Godzilla. That is a very fascinating parallel to hear because that means, in a weird way, this is like, it's like a modern version of using a man in a rubber suit. It's just that the suit ends up being CGI. Totally. Wow. Yep. That is amazing. Of course, he's also, we're going to be seeing him again, but although we're not going to be seeing him. Um, in in uh, Planet of the Apes. The new Planet of the Apes, yeah, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which actually looks more interesting than I thought it would. Yeah, well, that's that's a conversation for another day. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge fan of the Planet of the Apes franchise. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. Okay, so he has been... Now, wait a minute... I'm looking at his – oh, that's his actor filmography. Looking at IMDb, I'm not seeing Godzilla on here for him. Oh, now I'm sad. Well, okay, so what – I'll continue looking. <laughs> What's something else that you liked about this movie? Uh, another thing, another aesthetic thing that they kept is uh, Godzilla's roar sounds right. It's been tweaked a little bit, but it sounds like the classic roar. So – uh, they managed to figure out how to bring new things to Godzilla, uh, to the Godzilla creature design without violating it, which was the big problem the, the 98 movie had because they just radically redesigned him. He looked like a giant iguana, you know? And there, I also appreciated, oh, I'm trying to think here, without getting into spoiler territory. As I mentioned before, I did like the the fact that it had a pretty well-developed story and characters so when the creatures were not on screen you weren't bored i know some some people were but i wasn't and just all around respect for what came before without violating the essence of it yeah it's a good remake yeah it kept the spirit of it kept the spirit and the elements that people really liked and then try to improve on it with modern technology. I would totally agree with that. Um, the one thing I wish that we had right now as we're talking is the voice of someone who's not a fan of the franchise. Yeah. That's the one thing I, I kind of, as we're, as we're talking here, I wish we had. Because I do wonder if these things that you're saying would resonate with someone who doesn't care about Godzilla. You know, I'm, or, not 100, I'm not 100% sure. I've uh, A lot of the comments that I heard from people including a few who weren't fans, was that they did enjoy the movie. Okay. So, and it did, inc- it was incredibly successful over the weekend. It made more money in its opening weekend than Amazing Spider-Man 2, and Warner Brothers announced a sequel already. Yeah, which, you know, it's it's in development. It's not, you know, it doesn't have a date, but, yeah. man, Warner Brothers was, I mean, that's the kind of thing you jump on when you have a success. Is yeah. to say, yep, we're talking about a sequel. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, Andy Serkis was a consultant. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Gareth Edwards consulted with him. Okay, but he wasn't actually the motion capture. So, darn, that would have been so amazing. It would have been, but you know, it, it just makes it, it it makes him more human. You know, yeah. it, it just, mm-hmm. <laughs> not Godzilla, Andy Circus. I mean, yeah, to, to take away. He doesn't have to be everything. Um, although 
maybe it wouldn't be a bad thing if he was. But. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing I will know, this is not a spoiler because we've already hinted at it. And I, this, I know people have complained about this. And I will admit I was thrown off by it at first. But I do, in the long run, I ended up really liking it. And that is because there is that buildup. There are those teases. You don't quite see the monsters. You don't quite see Godzilla. You get little pieces until you get to that third act. And then in the third act, all of the stops get pulled right out. Mm-hmm. And it is just, it's just, it just goes crazy at that point. And it's straight up action thrill, uh, action thriller right at that point. And, you know, and then it, all that buildup feels like it was worth it. It made that third act that much better instead of the, you know, the, the that instant gratification, you know, it's one of the things like, you know, Pacific Rim was like that, but Pacific Rim was more of an action movie. It was. Than this one, where, because in that one, you know, you have lots of fight scenes throughout, and, you know, it had more special effects shots on that, probably because I think it had more money thrown at it, but. But Pacific Rim is a different kind of movie, too. Pacific Rim is specifically, specifically, not specifically. Pacific Rim is specifically an action thrill movie. Where you're, it's, it's fight, like you were saying, fight, fight, fight. Um, You know, they can't afford to tease because in five minutes, this fight's going to be done. They're going to move back to, okay, humans having human trouble and then another monster and then humans talking and then another monster. And it's just, you know, assault, assault, assault. And there's no reason for a quiet build. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's not meant to be that type of movie. Yeah. I do think Pacific Rim and this Godzilla movie would make a nice double feature. Oh yes. They're, and, they're very different movies, but at the same time, they, yeah. they, they fit that kind of, uh, thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, uh, what's uh, what, the, uh, the movie about Facebook. Why can't I uh, think of it? The social network, the social network and Tron legacy. That's a, <laughs> that's a double feature right there. I, had, I never thought of it that way. Uh, the parallels I was drawing, even before this movie came out, I was telling people just from watching the trailers that one of the things I was expecting from this was that because I was because th- I, I I loved Pacific Rim and I really felt like Pacific Rim was the new standard for giant monster movies because it set the bar really high. It was very creative, it was colorful, and it was very fun. And when I saw the trailers for this Godzilla movie, I mean, at first I was thought like, man, this bar got so set so high. I don't know about this Godzilla movie. And I saw the trailers for it. And I saw what they were doing. And the way I would describe it to people is what I was expecting was that was that Pacific Rim would be to Godzilla what Avengers was to The Dark Knight Rises because they came out in the same summer. Both of them are superhero movies, but both of them are very different. The, the Avengers was colorful and fun. And uh, the Dark Knight Rises was very gritty and serious and dark. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's a very valid observation and a valid way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Same genre, but completely different tones. Mm-hmm. So, anything you didn't like? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think here. There's not a lot. I mean, I don't have too many complaints about this movie. I was pretty happy with it. I was disappointed that they did not include the uh, classic Godzilla theme by Akira Ifakube. Me because, too. Because 
the creative team that worked on the original movie and then they reunited for a lot of the sequels in the 60s and 70s and those are were almost always the best of the sequels in uh, that era was uh, when the was when these you know like the certain director um, and uh, you know special effects guy and you know uh, composer Akira Fukube was the composer and his music is synonymous with Godzilla and the theme he created it, it became Godzilla's soul you know mm-hmm. these other guys created the character but he gave Godzilla soul with his music but you know what that kind of brings us back into I mean uh, James Bond obviously kept a lot of the, those the music cues but mm-hmm. Batman Superman both of their reboots not at all not at all yeah although Star Trek is a reboot that at the very end of the first Star Trek movie then you finally get the actual like uh, Star Trek theme yes um, but um, yeah I, I I'm very curious why they chose. Even in the end credits, like you could have at least as Godzilla is ending and the end yeah. credits start rolling. That's where I, I was expecting to hear it. Yeah. But I, I, it could have been a rights issue. Maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe. There was some rhythm in in some of the music that was going on that, that was kind of reminiscent of it. But yeah, you're right. I, yeah. That's something that really bothered me. Another thing that kind yeah. of bothered me um, was some of the level of um, – uh, scripting coincidence where it's like, we have to get from this point to this point and our characters have to be involved in that. And so, well, we need something to get them from point A to point B. I can't think of a story reason. So it's just going to have to be a coincidence, you know, or, yeah. you know, or structure the story around him, yeah. you know, getting there. And so that there was some, some screenplay, uh, screenplay problems that I had with that. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I'll go back to the thing I like the most, I think, is Godzilla himself. The creature design, mm-hmm. the the way he moved, the way uh, when he does his Godzilla things, you're just yeah. – it's exciting. Yeah. And and it's really neat and the reveals are neat. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of them are really just your eye starting from the ground level and looking – up and as you're looking up things are happening and revealing what is going on and it's just this kind of cool um natural thing for your eye to do mm-hmm. the camera is your eye doing what your eye would do not just doing what's best for the shot mm-hmm. um and that's also a complaint for some people yeah you know? i know and i think it i think it might have to do with some people's modern sensibilities they like the instant gratification. They you know they want that Pacific Rim action movie instant gratification. It's but this movie's more like Jaws, you know. Mm-hmm. But like if you compare Jaws to a lot of you know modern horror movies, you know modern horror movies don't care about suspense and buildup. They just they give you that instant gratification. There's no buildup. And my favorite, you know, my favorite you know horror movies because in a lot of ways this is a horror movie as well. It's genuinely scary points which is one of the things i liked about it yeah when i first saw trailers for it i my, my first reaction was finally godzilla is scary again <laughs> you know well and menacing and, there is there is definitely a menace behind yes. what's going on there and yeah. it is and that's where you kind of get into the the force of nature idea where you can't stop a hurricane it's just coming yeah you know and you can't stop a volcano you can run away from it but you yeah. can't stop it 
an yeah. earthquake. It just happens. And that's kind of, you know, although this Godzilla had um, more, um, I guess, free will decision-making processes <laughs> going on than, than, than a, a, a hurricane has. But, um, yeah, yeah it, it just... yeah. It, it it worked. It really, yeah. really did. Yeah. And if I might make one little, and this is kind of a nitpick as a fan because you know fans we love to nitpick. Uh, there is a character played by Ken Watanabe who I I, I thought he was a, a, a I thought he was the same character from the original movie. I found that it's not quite true. He's actually was his character was inspired by the original, and that's he plays a guy named Doctor Sarazawa. Which, for Godzilla fans, that will be a familiar name because there was a scientist named Dr. Sarazawa in the original movie. And I found out that they're not the same character. They just have the same last name. They have different first names. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like, the, the original Dr. Sarazawa was, was uh, Daisuke Sarazawa, and this guy is Ishiro, I think. Ishiro uh, Okay. Well, it's still, it's still a callback, though. Yeah, it's a callback. The big difference being, this is the nitpick, the original Dr. Sarazawa had an eye patch, mm. and Ken Watanabe's character does not have an eye patch. And I was slightly disappointed because I didn't know until I watched the movie that he was supposed to be a Dr. Sarazawa. Because I kept thinking, why Why did they do that? Ken Watanabe could have rocked that eye patch. Yeah, but if you put an eye patch on anybody in any kind of pop culture movie, instantly people are going to be talking about director Fury, Nick Fury. Yeah, They're, they're not going to be... They're not going to say, oh, that's a callback to Godzilla. It's going to be why they're ripping off Avengers. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so. It's, I don't know. Maybe they could have been weird and switched the eyes. You know, it's, uh, Nick Fury's left eye is out. This guy's right eye is out. I yeah, don't I don't think people are going to recognize that. Though. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, who would you recommend this movie to then? Do you recommend it? And, and if you do, who would you recommend it to? Uh, definitely to Godzilla fans or giant monster movie fans. Uh, they will they'll eat this up, especially if they're Godzilla fans, because it really is true to the to the spirit of the old Japanese movies. I would also probably recommend it to uh, to horror movie fans, especially if you enjoy the more old school horror movies that actually believe in suspense and build up. If you like Alien, if you like Jaws. You'll appreciate the fact that this movie does tease you and build up to, you know, a big climax. I think action movie, maybe action movie fans. Not sure about that one. Um, yeah, because this but, isn't necessarily an action movie. Yeah, I mean, there's there's action in it, but there's yeah. there's a lot of more, build up to get. Yeah, to more it. of the horror or thriller fans probably. And if you probably anyone if they saw uh, Cloverfield and enjoyed it. They might like this one, although it's definitely shot differently than Cloverfield. But it does have a lot in common with Cloverfield, where it's a bit more character driven. Yeah, and and Cloverfield obviously is from the ground up because it's it's literally yeah. from a, a yeah because it's camcorder. a found footage. Yeah, it's a found footage but, movie. But if you but this take this is not a found footage movie. Take Cloverfield, which you only see the movie the monster at the end, barely well, for the most part. Yeah. Take, take take Cloverfield and and mix it up with uh, Pacific Rim. And, and you're going to get Godzilla, mm-hmm. only only a little better. <laughs> yeah, and if you and if you hated the if you hated the the '98 movie, go see this one because this is a proper American remake. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I didn't mind the 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 original American one. Yeah, either, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't mind it that much either. But like I said, I kind of I think to myself, you know, this is really only Godzilla in name. 
You know, I it's don't more even like that's more like Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, to be honest. It is. It uh, honestly, it does feel more like that movie than than a Godzilla movie. However, I look at what you know that's that kind of second, um, that second uh, series of movies. The the I can't remember which one, Heisei Showa, whatever. But the second yeah. series of well, movies, Heisei. they were getting bad. They were getting bad. So I, I just, did like the I did like the last one though. Yeah, uh, but was like Godzilla versus Destroyer or something. The like only that. good thing I, about I, it for I, for me is that it actually were those movies all went together because there's there's Godzilla and there's little psychic girl. That, yeah, <laughs> that they're in every movie except for the first. Yeah, the first Mickey Sagusa. Okay, well I think we need to. Um, Grade this thing, give it letter grade, and then uh, sound the spoiler alert. Maybe talk a little bit about spoilers. Oh yes. So, um, what what grade would you give this movie? I would give it an A minus. Okay, that's fair. I I would also uh, I I think I would give it. Mm, I, I was debating. I think a B plus. Mm-hmm. I think there were certain parts, especially in the human stories, that could have been done better. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. But I, I'll give it a I'll give it a B plus. Okay. And I'm going to keep it at a B plus. I'm not going to downgrade it like I did or wanted to do with Spider-Man. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 2. But... Okay. So, yeah. Okay. We're going to sound the spoiler alert. So if you have not seen this movie, unless you don't care, you know, um, I would say go see it. Because I do recommend it to a lot. Uh, I don't recommend it to Dr. Jace. I don't think he would be able to get past the fact that it's a giant monster, but, um, you know, fans of sci-fi fans of, of monsters and and great creatures and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think you'll like this. Um, so go see it and then, uh, you can listen to the rest of this, this podcast. So we're going to sound the alert, the, uh, the, uh, spoiler organ right now. Spoilers. Spoilers. Okay, anything's fair game, Nathan. Anything at all. All right. Um, let's let's just start with the most obvious spoiler. There's monsters. Oh yeah, there it, are other monsters. I expected it's not, just, it's not a solo uh, Godzilla movie, which is what I thought it was going to be. Usually, when he comes back, it's a solo one. Uh, you know, except for I guess Godzilla, Godzilla 2000. But Godzilla was a solo movie. Godzilla 1985 solo movie. Godzilla 1998 when, uh, you know, the American Godzilla solo movie, um, I was expecting it just to be, Oh, it's Godzilla and it's a new origin story. Yeah. And Although it's the, not even that. No, not quite. Not uh, quite. I mean, Godzilla's origins discussed, but you know, it, only in as much as you, oh, it, only in as much as you need to understand what's going on. Yes. But I expected that to be the movie. Yeah, I know. And yeah. all of these monsters that that show up, there's three monsters total that we see yep. alive. Other than, well, there's there's some baby monsters and eggs that are kind of see through. You kind of see them. Yeah. But um, all of the monsters have a history that we don't yes. see. Yes. It, it really surprised me that they did yeah, that. Yeah, and actually, even in that first scene. Yeah, that first scene when they show it was uh, was it in the Philippines, nineteen ninety nine, and that's when they find the uh, egg pupa, whatever you want to call it, that eventually becomes one of the other monsters, which are called Mutos. 
yeah. which is an, a- an acronym. It stands for Massive Unidentified Terrestrial Organism. Yeah, although they did have to give the line, well, it's flying, so it's not necessarily terrestrial yeah, now. Yeah, it's not necessarily terrestrial anymore. But uh, <laughs> which is, that was funny, actually. I did appreciate that. One of the other things I will say, uh, going back to what you liked and what you did, most of the people in this movie were smart. They didn't play around. They're like, oh, there's giant monsters running around. Um, We're not going to bother capturing them. We're just going to kill them. We don't like these things. But anyway, uh, yeah, the Mutos. Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, there were some uh, press releases that were given out in the last six months or so that hinted at there being other creatures in it, but it wasn't a big thing that they promoted. You know, in the trailers, yeah, it's not for the international trailer. The international trailer did show them. But. The the television commercials showed them, and the toys. Yes. Okay, I saw the toy at Toys R Us, and it's just this little two inch. Godzilla and two inch Mudo, or as I want to call him, Rodan, because <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But it's just two inch, and then they have little uh, uh, skyscrapers that you can get, you can knock down and, mm-hmm. and, and reassemble and that kind of thing. And I saw this thing and I just thought, oh, that's not cool looking. That's <laughs> not cool looking at all. I hope it looks better on the screen. And so, on one hand, I was really disappointed because I was. I really wish I had gotten into the movie without knowing there was other monsters, you know, but, um, on the other hand, I'm looking at this toy and just thinking that looks like that's a poopy, poopy monster. (laughs) And it did look a lot better on screen than it did in plastic. I'll just, yeah, (laughs) so much better. Yeah. And what's interesting is that there are two of them. They are the same species, but even but even then, they're very different. That was one of the things I liked about it, is that the first one you see, it, you know, it, it sprouts wings and it can fly, and then you find out, oh, it has a mate. And you find, and the, the female is about twice as big as the male, but it can't fly. Right. And I was leaning over to you when that was happening. I was making a little jokes so like, so the boys could fly and the girls are just really big? <laughs> yeah. And I was totally reminded of Rodan though. Now Rodan is uh again part of that Avengers initiative of monsters. He had yeah. a solo movie and then was brought into the Godzilla universe. Uh-huh. And he the way that they would fly first of all in their solo movie, in the Rodan solo movie, it is about a a you know mating of creatures. I mean it, it's a male mm-hmm. and it's a female. Mm-hmm. And they so you have that similarity, the head shape, not the design, but the actual shape uh, is definitely um, to me. There, there, there was some, some similarities, not mm-hmm. enough that I could say for certain that they were pulling on Rodan for this. But mm-hmm. I, I do say, I, I, I really do feel like Rodan was an influence for the, these mudos, at least the male. Right. Well, and then they extrapolated that and changed, you know, and and, and changed the the creature design for the female. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. I, and, but also then the way he would fly, mm-hmm. the body design as it was flying with those wings, kind of straight out, um, almost like a hang glider, more mm-hmm. so and more rigid than mm-hmm. you know a bird or a bat or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, which I imagine if there really was a creature that could get that large i have a feeling that's how it would have to fly 
given its size. Yeah. Um, now in Rodan, for Rodan, it was, um, it was just a, a limitation of we have a person in a suit that we have yeah. to make fly now. Well, and, and so they would the take flying, the a lot of the flying shots were marionettes. Yeah, they would take the empty suit. And they would keep the wings out, you know, and so there's ve- it's very stiff, very rigid, and it's mm-hmm. on strings, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was reminded of Rodan, and and honestly, I don't know why they didn't just go there, you know. I, I understand not calling it Rodan because that's something in the movies. It just doesn't make sense how we always know their name, you know. They're, this monster shows up, and we're going to call this one King Ghidorah. Why? Yeah. Because that's what he looks like. so well they that was one of the things i did like about the japanese movies is that the creatures all had names and generally speaking they could they would come up with logical reasons why they were called that godzilla got his name because that was the name of a of a mythic monster mm -hmm. god that was hiding out in in a near an island near japan and the natives thought it was you know this actual god and they would try to offer sacrifices to him uh I know, uh, I think King Ghidorah, because King Ghidorah was a space monster, and that it was a name that had been attached to it because it was kind of a bit of a legend, because it would go around and and raise planets and then fly off to the next one, you know. So, um, uh, anything else with the with the Mutos, though? They had an interesting power, the Mutos. They had the, you know, they could use an EMP. Wasn't much help against Godzilla, but you know, no. It was... <laughs> and if you're going to go with naturalistic uh, evolution, yeah. why would they have that power? You know, why would they evolve I, you know, millions yeah. of years ago to have yeah, a power think... to knock out electricity when uh, there wouldn't have been any? <laughs> yeah, the movie. The movie logic was that uh, the, both Godzilla and the Mutos came from a time on Earth when it was a lot more radioactive. Yes. So they would feed off of the radiation. For the Mutos, the byproduct of consuming the the radiation was the EMP. So, so that's like, like their waste system. I guess. <laughs> I just remember they just said it was because it absorbed the radiation, it, it could do that. Well, yeah. It, they did uh, it. They, it they only, worked hard at the really science. Only, it really only works in movie logic. Yeah, they, <laughs> they worked hard at the movie science. To make yeah. it sound like it would work in real life. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about Brian Cranston. Oh my gosh, Brian Cranston! They yeah, psychoed him. Guy, they, they psychoed did. him. Oh my gosh, they you. Oh my gosh, they did so much with Brian Cranston. You just don't expect the promotions for this made it look like he was going to be the almost the hero. He was the guy we were going to follow. Yeah, and especially since Brian Cranston is a big star now. It was you know? a it was a little bit um, it was a little little confusing because we start the movie and you think I'm watching a Brian Cranston movie he is going to be the guy that I'm going to follow this movie yeah. and and so in the opening scenes you're watching him all eyes on yeah. him this is actually his son's movie yeah I honestly expected as the movie continued that what this movie was going to be was. Yeah, because because the trailers make a big deal about you know those early scenes when Brian Cranston's character is at the the nuclear plant in Japan mm-hmm. and something attacks it and his wife dies right in front of him. So you have that very potent emotional story going on, and he becomes obsessed with trying to figure out 
what actually happened because he doesn't believe the cover story that it was an earthquake. And that's what ends up bringing the son. His son is living in the States and that's what brings him to Japan because he finds out his dad got arrested. For trespassing in. Yeah. So he goes back to get him. So I was expecting what the movie was going to be after that was he finds out, Oh my gosh, my dad, my dad was right. And then it becomes their journey. They go back to the States together and perhaps mend their relationship along the way. Nope. No. Brian Cranston nope. dies. He dies within the first half an hour. And He's I almost like, want to say he dies stupid. But he doesn't. I mean, it's it's part of the naturalism of the movie, you know, where it's just this happens and he died. Um, but it wasn't expected. And I, I was waiting for him to come back actually for like five minutes after they like covered his head or whatever with the sheet. I'm thinking, yeah, well, the, the radiation is the is the radiation going to bring him back? Or? I know I was entertaining crazy things like that, but it's it's what I get for watch for reading too many comic books and what even in things like Star Trek they pull things like that like oh I'm not really dead or it's like yeah. are they going to bring him back and they were like no they can't bring him back from the dead in this this is you really have you, you if you're not expecting the movie to be the kids movie. Because you see, you know, you're you're kind of not following the kid necessarily, but in those opening scenes where the mom dies and he's just a kid, he's all over the place in there. He's not everywhere, but he's all over the place. And so it, it makes sense. This is Ford's movie, mm-hmm. you know, but good grief. <laughs> yeah, I know some people complain because they feel like they uh, that some people complain that they wasted a great opportunity because Cranston is such a huge star now. Thanks to Breaking Bad. You know, and it, it worked. I mean, it, it literally is that psycho thing where, um, you know, Alfred Hitchcock hires, you know, an, an up and coming rising star to be, you know, to star in his movie Psycho. Um, but spoiler, um, she dies. <laughs> I have seen Psycho. So halfway, you know, le- actually almost more than halfway earlier than the halfway point. She's she's yeah. dead. She's just gone. And, and the movie is actually about her murder. Yeah, you're just not expecting it. It just comes out of nowhere, unless you have been spoiled by pop culture, like I just did. Um, where that's the the movie is famous for killing her. Yeah, and I, I don't think this Godzilla movie is going to be famous for killing Brian Cranston, but no, like, probably not. Good but grief! Yeah, that just it just I'm just like seriously, did you do that? I had to adjust when that happened. I had yeah. to reorient yeah. myself. But here's the other thing. There's a couple other places where I had to do that. And one being when Godzilla goes out of his way not to kill people. Yeah, that surprised me. He, yeah, it, that happened, I think the first time that happened was uh, he was he was approaching an aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the characters are on the aircraft carrier. They see his spine sticking out of the water. They start to freak out. They're like, oh, my gosh, here he comes. They're prepping for a collision. And he swims under them. He dives under. And that's that Godzilla moment. Or not Godzilla. That, that Jaws moment where the, the shark goes under the boat or whatever and they run to the other side. And he just continues on his way. Now, other ships, you know, because of his wake, you know, they're they're getting capsized or they're, they're getting tossed yeah. around. But yeah. he is not destroying them. Yeah. He and, is doing his best to avoid hurting people. He intentionally tries to avoid them and... Like I said, the, the destruction that he does cause, the casualties that he does inflict are accidental. And so it, this is where you had to reorient yourself, where 
okay, I'm expecting Godzilla to just be on a tear, you know, get yeah. in his way and die. Nope. Yeah. Nope. They are in his way. He goes under them. Yeah. The buildings that get destroyed, why do they get destroyed? Because he's fighting. He isn't, he's not, I mean, it's, it's Man of Steel, you know, where yeah. <laughs> the fight is in the city and there's no way around it. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, yeah, people probably died. Yeah. Yes, buildings were destroyed. Yes, property damage. Yes, loss of life. But not because Godzilla is just a dumb beast walking through a city. And not because Godzilla is a nasty, mean, angry creature. Yeah. But because Godzilla is doing his job. And what's his job? Yeah. To balance nature. Those creatures yeah. don't belong there. And Godzilla is there to destroy them. Yeah. Uh, like when he comes into Honolulu, he creates this big wake in his way and it causes massive flooding in the city. And I'm sure plenty of people drown, but it's just like, you know, I'm a 400 foot dinosaur. I kind of can't <laughs> avoid this. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I no, didn't or, mean uh, to. Yeah. Or uh, in <laughs> that scene, when he comes ashore in San Francisco and, you know, he pushes those boats out of the way, but then people start shooting at him. And he ends up bumping into the Golden Gate Bridge because of it. I When I was watching, I was like, is he doing that on purpose? I don't think he's doing it on purpose. It's because people are shooting at him, and he just kind of stumbles yeah. a little bit, and the, the bridge was right there. Oops, sorry, I didn't see your bridge there. <laughs> yeah. I really, uh, oh, oh, is that yours? I'll try and put it, okay, nope, nope, never mind. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. But anyway, I mean... He is, in this movie, he is a defender of the Earth. He is the Earth's indignation. He is the balance. And I'm almost expecting the next movie to be the balance that he has to write is human-caused and I not creature-caused. I could see them going that direction, which would be interesting. It, it seems like a natural evolution of that, where... It, he could make the humans nervous because we're like, you know, he might start thinking that the humans are putting nature out of balance or it could be not just be that the humans are putting nature out of balance. It could also be that since they don't trust him, I mean, even at the end of the movie, when Godzilla's leaving, we see that news report and it says, you know, the king of the monsters, the savior of our city, it has a question mark. Right, right. You know, so they're not sure what to do about it. Well, and, you know, and, and part might, of that problem is what can you do? Yeah, but they just don't know if they can trust him. <laughs> so maybe they might do something like they might create some sort of a weapon to fight him. You know, it could be mechanical. You know, you could have a Pacific Rim situation where they build a giant robot. Heck, I even read that. Guillermo del Toro, director of Pacific Rim, said at a convention that he would love to direct a crossover movie between Pacific Rim and, the, and this Godzilla movie because they're made <laughs> by the same studios. Yes, legendary. Yeah, which would just be awesome. I'm I, I kind of in love with this idea of Godzilla fighting Gypsy Danger, but I don't think it'll ever happen. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I actually just read that um, Pacific Rim 2 is being developed right now by Guillermo del Toro. But it's going to actually kind of riff on a Voltron type of Ooh, thing, where you have that could be interesting. You have them, the the Jaggers, um, forming together into a larger <laughs> one. <laughs> that would be amazing. But going back to Godzilla, yeah, I. Uh, what were we talking about? Well, back we were we were, <laughs> um, we were talking about him being, um, you know, the kind yeah, of Earth's that protector. Defender, yeah, which 
that, yeah, I had to reorient myself because I wasn't expecting that. But it's not the defender in the sense of like like the '60s and '70s movies where he kind of became a superhero, especially in the '70s. He's still kind of that force of nature, but he's not malicious. He's but he's not quite. You know, like a giant superhero either. He's not Ultraman if he was a dinosaur, you know? Right, right. He is – well, they, they, they talk a lot about balance and that's where you kind of get into some of that Eastern um, philosophy yeah, of yeah, balance and, and, you know, the, the yin and the yang and, and, yeah, and that kind of that's, thing. Uh, that trailer line I think summarizes the theme of the movie quite well. Well, it's in the trailer. It's a big line in the trailer where Ken Watanabe says, you know, the arrogance of man mm-hmm. is believing that nature is in its control. And not the other way around, right? You know, and and that's where he's just saying in the movie, step back, let it happen, you know, and then watch and see the fallout. Yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, this movie is very similar to Man of Steel mm-hmm. because it's just at the end there's this thing, this creature that they don't know what to do with him, you know, and they can't destroy him. They can't destroy Superman. So they're going to, you know, follow him around with drones and, and Godzilla is the same kind of thing. Godzilla walks off into the, you know, into the ocean. Where is it going to go? You know, and if it, when is it going to come back? And when it comes back, is it going to be for us or against us? And if it's not for us, what do we do? Yeah. You know? I mean, there's a, I, when I originally, I, when I was thinking about the possibility of a sequel, I wasn't sure what angle they could take, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized there's actually more possibilities than I think I'm giving it credit for. You know, now I don't know if I would like to see them bring in other Toho creatures. I'm kind of torn on that. I mean, so, part of me would like to see them bring more Toho creatures into this and reimagine them, but I also kind of want to see more original monsters. I'll tell you what I don't want. Yeah. I, I don't want aliens. Uh, alien cockroaches or apes in human costumes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to return to that kind of cheese. I like that kind of cheese, but I already have that kind of cheese. Yeah. You know, and that was a product of the time. Yeah. And I, and to try and emulate that, you know, you're getting to self-parody. And that's a different thing than what they did in this movie. This movie is not – there's no self-parody. It, it's it's not that they're making fun of themselves. They're They're not – doing you know the uh the Roland Emmerich thing where it's it's just big and bombastic and exciting and unrealistic uh adventure movie you know this is uh, it, it's steeped in more realism than you would expect in a Godzilla movie yeah i mean i could see if like say if they wanted to bring king ghidorah into this uh yeah king ghidorah is had several different origins over the years. Uh, in one, he was in one he was uh, a sleeping god. In one, the, the classic series, he was he was a monster from outer space. And in the the most interesting one, I think, was the one from the '90s movie where you find out he's a bioweapon from the future, and they have time travel. Oh man, <laughs> that movie is so bad and so wrong in so many ways. <laughs> it. it it gets close to so bad it's bad. It, it's almost there. It, it's circling around. It's bad, and it starts circling around. And it's kind of so bad it's good, and then it starts. Oh no, it's going back to our bad again. No, no, don't go. Uh, the time travel makes no sense. It just 
I, yeah, yeah, I under I can understand that. Even when I was a when I was a teenager watching it, I kept thinking, I'm not quite sure the time travel works in this. I don't know. Maybe it was better in Japanese because I I've no, only ever seen it in English. No, I mean I can't imagine the plot is that much different because of of language. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but anyway, ignoring all of that, uh, I I could see them if they brought King Ghidorah in. I don't think they'll use time travel. They. I could see them possibly going the supernatural route or at least bringing in a, having a naturalistic thing but couching it in mythology. But I could I could also see they could possibly do the outer space route but leave out aliens. Even mm. I mean when Ghidorah first showed up, he wasn't controlled by aliens. He just yeah. he crashed on Earth, woke up and said, "Okay, I'm going to tear the place apart because that's what I do." I think, and in the, in the later movies, he was controlled by aliens. I think whatever Godzilla goes up against in the next movie is going to be human created, and it I might be it might be multiple small creatures or smaller creatures. You know, maybe they, yeah. they only are as high as his knee, but there's twenty of them. Yeah, or something I can see like that. that. They haven't really <clears> done any. I think I can only think of one instance in the Japanese movies where they tried something like that. So that could be interesting. So, and I could see them. It could probably be done if, say, whether it be the military or maybe like some eccentric billion, billionaire or something finds the the muto corpses and harvests some of the DNA and and uses that to genetically engineer another creature. Which yeah. could anger Godzilla because that's throwing the balance of nature out, you know. Yeah, I think that that's the key, though, for the the trend of this this series is of Godzilla movies will be that kind of balance thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, um, I think we need to wrap things up here. So, well, there is one other spoiler thing that I do want to okay. Mention. Let's let's jump into it. And then. especially since I know from listening to your podcast that you brought this up. And that was, uh, you were wondered, will Godzilla use his thermonuclear breath? Oh. We don't know. And because that was actually one of the big moments in this movie when you get to the climax. So, you know, Godzilla, you get to the climax and Godzilla's fighting the Mutos, getting his butt kicked. And you see him kind of getting shoved off into some smoke and building dust. And you see this little blue light. At the end of start, his tail. At the end of his tail, and it starts climbing up his back. And your going camera. All his spines, and the camera watches it as the it goes up. The camera pans on up, yes. And, I, I, and I was, when I was sitting there, I was sitting next to you, and I just exclaimed, yes, when that was happening, because I, I was waiting the whole movie for it. But even when it starts to happen, there's buildup, because it's that, you know, it goes right up the spine, where in the old movies, you just see the spines light up, all of them. And this one, it goes right up. And then he blasts the Muto twice with it. And then the other big moment is at the end of the fight when the, the Muto is chasing. climax, yes. Yeah, when the Muto is chasing Ford after he blows up its nest. So it just goes through this, this motherly rage. You know, it's like, you killed my babies! Ah! And it just chases after him. Godzilla takes out Daddy and then grabs Mama. And grabs it by the head. So then I thought, is he going to do the King Kong thing where Me he breaks too. his jaws? Me too. And so I was like, that's okay. But, you know, King Kong already did it. And then... King I Kong did it three times. Yeah. And then I got a surprise. He grabs the thing, pries its mouth open. You see his spines you know, light up like that again. And then he blasts 
the thing, you know, the beam right down its throat and it just blows up and disintegrates. He just stands there holding the head. And yeah, yeah. it's like it's like Conan or something where yeah, the barbarian yeah. has just taken the creature's head and he's standing there holding it and just, uh, uh, you know, does the roar. Yeah, it was, oh, that got such a rise on me. And then I think I leaned over to you and I said, you know, fatality, Godzilla <laughs> wins. <laughs> Those are those two big moments where they pay everything off. And yeah. I've heard stories about people who went to go see the movie, and they say that at both of those moments, people broke out in spontaneous applause. Yeah, they were great <laughs> moments, and and they were earned. Yes, they were. They made earned. you wait the whole time, and then, like I said, even when you get to that moment, there's still a tiny buildup to it. You know? Yeah. The other thing to throw in is there was a reference to Mothra. And that yes. was in their house when they were um, – and I I wondered, did I even see that uh, when I saw it? But um, they they go back to their house and it's it's in the quarantine zone and there's, a, there's an aquarium and it's labeled Dad's Mothra. Uh, <laughs> and it's just kind of what? And I don't know what the RA was there for, uh, but there was a, um, a stick with a – cocoon on it inside there that's very interesting so i could see i could see mothra working in in uh in this universe a, a reimagined mothra but i could see it working yeah i don't know if you'd have some of the cheesy stuff with like the the miniature six inch twins but yeah, yeah i don't know if i would go that route there there have been a few japanese movies where got where mothra didn't have the little twin priestesses although I could see them maybe not using the you know the little six inch doll like girls, but maybe have like two twin girls who hang out with Mothra, have some sort of connection with Mothra. I don't know, but just as a nod to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we need to I think wrap this up. And so, yes. where can people find you, Nathan, and find your work? Uh, I I have a website. It's a WordPress blog. It's uh, nathanjsmarchand.com. Uh, if you need, uh, you, are you going to have put my name and everything in the in the show notes? Uh, yeah, the show notes. Yeah, because that way I don't have to spell it. And you can go there. That's where I put updates about what conventions I'm going to be at or book signings I'm going to have. Sometimes I'll post short stories on there or you know little musings about the art of writing or something like that. And there's also links on there to the places where I do write. You know, Giga Geek Magazine and all that. And mm-hmm. I have a YouTube channel as well. And you can find links to my YouTube channel on there. And I do periodic vlogs, you know, where I do movie reviews or, again, you know, instructional videos on writing and stuff like that. But the main hub that you want to go to is NathanJSMarchand.com. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. And thank you for talking about this kind of crazy stuff with me. And Uh we've got X-Men Days of Future Past coming up next as far as the summer movie series goes. And I think we have our Batman animation episode coming up soon soon as well. Um, So, yeah. uh, Until next time, though, everyone, thanks for listening and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Strangers and Aliens summer movie series. You can email us at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-804-37-ALIEN. That's 1-804-372-5436. We'd love to hear from you. 
You can also go to our website, strangersandaliens.com, leave a comment on the blog, or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. We're also on Twitter, Strange and Alien. Check us out. Bye.